I am Taya Carlisle, the founder, and you are currently watching Revival in the Word, which is TGR Teaching Hub Ministry Platform. In Revival in the Word, you will discover and see many voices and faces bringing the Word of God to life. To discover and to learn more about TGR and all what we offer, take a picture of this QR code and join us today. We believe you are important to the kingdom of God. If you feel like this is a place for you to be, then don't be hesitant. We will welcome you like family to give in or to sow a seed into the speaker of today. Please proceed to their social media handle. It may be posted in this live and or in the description of this video. Also, if you have not already, I highly recommend for you to go back to check out last Sunday's word. Okay, so now it's time to grab your pen and paper and get started. Thank you, Father God, for this day. I thank you, Father God, for this moment that we are able to gather and to learn your word, Father God. I pray for your divine protection and covering over this word that your daughter, Jessica, is about to give to your congregation today, Father God. I pray right now, Father God, that the ears are willing to hear to receive you, Father God, today. Allow you to be all of her, Lord God, and less of her and more of you, Father God. I pray right now, Father God, and receive receive you today i usher in the holy spirit in this life today lord god we glorify your mighty name lord jesus may every ear across the nations across the ends of the earth will be able to see you in the midst of tgr today father god and we glorify your mighty name lord jesus in jesus name we pray amen Hello family, listen, I would like to introduce to you all Miss Jessica Harris. She's an amazing leader, coach, and mompreneur. She is just a bomb. Listen, I'm so grateful to have her here. Um, 
She is coming to bring a word to you all. She is also the co-founder of one of um, Tara Carlisle Ministries, which is the Given and Revived. A lot of you already know her. She's the founder of Ignite Your Glow Coaching and Consulting. She is the founder of Rediscover Her Project, as well as Jessica Harris Publishing and Rediscover Her Magazine. So I encourage you all right now to get your pens and paper together to, um, to receive a word today, and not only that, to take notes. I love you all. See you soon. Hello, everybody. How are you guys? Let's see. Is it going to work? No? Okay. I'm not sure why my camera is not working. All right. Well, I am still here. What's going on, everybody? Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so pumped and excited for you guys to join us on this series. Okay. Oh, I can't see me, but you can see me. Okay. That's good to know because I was like, all I see is a screen. Anyways, I'm so pumped, y'all. This is just amazing. I'm excited. Truly, truly excited. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. Sorry, give me a second, y'all. Today's conversation is going to be all about overcoming and understanding sin. I'm really pumped and excited for this, y'all. God has been speaking. There's a lot of different pieces that... I was like, okay, God, I see you. So let's go ahead and jump into what it is that he was telling me about. When it comes to overcoming and truly just understanding sin, the biggest thing that was highlighted to me was the awareness concept. He was like, my people just simply aren't aware. And I was one of those people. Listen, for real, for real. Um, but before I jump into my story, I wanted to give you guys the definition that I was able to get from Miriam Dictionary, where it tells us that awareness is the quality, it's the state of being aware, it's the knowledge and it's the understanding, right, of something that is happening or something that is existing. Understand, you can't know what sin is if you don't even understand that you're actually inside of it. You can't know what sin is if you don't even understand that it's existing right in front of you. I went to the basics of Merriam Dictionary, and it was telling me that sin is simply this. It's an offense against religious or moral law. It's an action that is felt to be highly reprehensible. When you look at the word reprehensible, it means basically to be condemned. It's something that's severe, right? So when we look at those concepts, it's like, all right, God, well, what exactly do you need your people to say? Because that's a really great definition, but I'm going to need it to be broken down. Where's the biblical principle to it? Where's the biblical foundation that's coming in this piece here? And the foundation part that I was able to get was understanding in 1 John 3, 4, where it tells us everyone who sins is breaking God's law for all sin is contrary to the law of God. Now, some of you may be looking like, well, we're born into sin. So what happens from there? 
I believe that's a really great question. I believe that's why God gives us choice. I believe there's a reason why, although we're born into sin, God gives us the opportunity to be redeemed. He allows us to be redeemed in that situation, right? Look at the concept of where redemption is coming from. God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son to do what? To, so we wouldn't perish, but so we would have everlasting life. It tells us that in John 3, 16, the root of all things comes from the word of love. God loves us so much that although we're born into sin, although we're born into a world where sin is glorified, he wants us to be redeemed. He wants us to be purified. And in doing so, he gave us commandments, right? You look in the Old Testament, they live by that law, the 10 commandments. But when Jesus came along, he was able to fulfill it. He didn't abolish it. So yes, we still are not supposed to lie. We're still not supposed to cheat. We're still not supposed to commit adultery. We're still not supposed to covet thy neighbor's wife and all of those things, right? We shouldn't be having sex out of um, marriage and things of that nature, right? All of those pieces are still there. All of those pieces still pertain to right now, but I love what God said, what Jesus said in Matthew 22 in this scripture, because I believe this is the part that we forget. We look at sin and we're telling people, oh, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that, but we forget the love part. God loves us. So God says, although you're born into sin, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come out of it. I'm going to give you an opportunity to understand what you're doing. I'm going to give you an opportunity to get an idea of what's going on. So this is the part that when I read this, I was like, God, I get it. Your love is sufficient. Your love covers a multitude of sins, right? Your love is so big and so wide and so vast because vast means wide to the point where it outstretches the way my arms are, right? That's what it is. Love is the part that you're needing to know of all things. So I can be born into sin, but now that I am aware that I'm around sin, I'm going to need God's love to help me come out of that sin. In verses 20, so Matthew 22, 36 through 40, he says, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. Come on, y'all. We talk about the mind all the time. Then he goes on to say, this is the first and the greatest commandment. I want to pause there for a second. When he says, out of all the commandments of the law of Moses, whether that's don't cheat, don't lie, don't steal, don't commit murder, don't commit adultery, all them pieces, right? What is it that Jesus says? He says that you must love God first with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. When you love God, like truly, and I mean truly love God, like earnestly, you don't want to do anything wrong. You don't want to do anything bad. You don't want to do things that are displeasing. You don't want to do things that are going to be against his will, contrary to his beliefs. Why? Because you love him so much. Like a child who loves their parent, right? No, like I have three children. Y'all heard it earlier. I have children. My kids love me so much that hypothetically speaking, they don't want to do something purposely that is going to go against what I have asked them to do. They're not going to want to be bad just to be bad. They're not going to want to not listen just to not listen. Why? Because they love their mom. Just like God loves us. He is our father. We are his children. He loves us so much that he's like, listen, there's a lot of laws out there. There's a lot of sin that's around you. But listen, when you love me so much, you won't even want 
to do those things. You won't even want to come into agreement with those things. That's why it's so important to make sure that you're loving God with all your heart. That's why it's important to understand giving God your soul. That's why it's understanding giving God your mind and renewing it daily in him. That's why we have to renew our minds. That's why we give everything unto him. That's why we surrender to him daily. Because when we can surrender to God the things that we don't control, I can't control that I live in a world of sin. That's just the world I live in. I can't control that. But I can control what I do. I can control my actions. I can control what I think. I can control what I say. I can control the character, right? And how do I see the character part is by paying attention to God's character. In the Bible, God shows us Jesus's character. He already says that Jesus was the only one who walked across the earth that was perfect. So when we're able to look at the character of Jesus and how he displayed God through him being the living version of God upon the land, we're able to understand what God wants us to represent as. So when we go back to that first part of the scripture, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your minds. We understand that that is the representation of how we're supposed to walk. Jesus didn't sit there and get ridiculed and lash back at them. He didn't get ridiculed and said, bump this. I'm all set. I'm not doing this no more. He didn't do that. Instead, he said, I love God so much that I'm going to continue on the task that God has given me. I'm going to continue to do what he needs me to do. So I'm going to continue to show these people love. I'm going to continue to show them correction. I'm going to continue to show them the error of their ways. That is the part that we have to be understanding of. And then that takes us into the next verse in verse 39, where it says, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. For the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. That means that everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that we choose to come into agreement with, right, is based off of those two commandments right there. Loving God with everything inside of us and then loving our neighbors as ourselves. But before neighbor as ourselves, we have to go to that first commandment. We have to be able to love God. And in order to love God, you got to know God. Just like, and that goes back to what we said earlier, awareness. I can't be in something, doing something if I'm not aware of it. Awareness is you having the understanding or perception of something that you're doing that's happening and that's existing. That means that you have to be in a state of knowing who God is. How do you get to know God? Read his word praying to God, be open to a relationship with God, be open to having God as your friend, giving your life to God, saying, God, I can't do this. I know I'm a sinner, but I have come short and I want to be able to be redeemed in you. I want to acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I want to be able to be with you. When you do those things, you're able to come into agreement with God's will for you. His will is not for you to perish. He already says that. That's why he said, I gave my son so you would not perish. So we got to go back to scripture on that part, right? He doesn't want you to die. He doesn't want you to go to hell. If he wanted you to go to hell and be at the mercies of your own actions, he wouldn't have sent his son. He wouldn't have sent a lamb. He wouldn't have sent a sacrifice. He sent a sacrifice for this reason right here, because he loves you that much. That's the part that we have to understand. Listen, this was the one, this was the verse, not even a verse. This was what came into my spirit this morning. It was like, you overcome your sins by loving God more than this world and the things in it. When you can understand what sin is, it's everything that's not of God. It's everything that's displeasing to God, right? What is God? He's made of love. What is the opposite of love? Hate, evil. You have your two pieces. 
But how are you able to overcome the evil and the hateful things of this world by loving God more than the things that are actually in this world? Why? Because you are in this world, but we're not of this world, y'all. This is not our home. Heaven is our home. We're here right now temporarily to do the word, to do the will of God, to proclaim the word upon the land. But the whole point of doing that is to be able to bring souls back, to help them become aware of the sin that they live in so they can then repent and be able to live fully in Christ and fulfill those two commandments in their lives by loving him with everything and then being able to display that very love unto others. It's a circle. It's a cycle. But that's exactly what he needs us to do. That's why repentance is a gift. Because we didn't have it without his lamb. We didn't have it when we were born. We were here in the midst of nonsense. And he allowed a gift to be presented unto us. That's why this choice that allows us to say, you know what, God, I'm tired of that sin. I'm tired of X. I'm tired of Y. I'm tired of Z. We'll continue into Revelations 12, 11. I saw this yesterday and I thought this was so beautiful to hear. That and they defeated him by the blood of the lamb. Come on, that's Jesus. And by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. This to me was so relevant because it was understanding a few parts. One, we're defeating, listen, we defeat death by who? The blood of the lamb, but by their testimony. What is your testimony? Your testimony is the very thing, the very situation, the very way that God was able to save you, to rescue you, to pull you out of whatever you were in, whatever sin you were in, right? Because when I'm in sin, the devil has hold over me. When I'm fornicating, when I'm lying, when I'm cheating, when I'm doing whatever nonsense, right? I am coming into agreement with the devil. I'm saying devil have me because I'm doing the things that pleases him, not God. And because I'm able to now defeat that thing by the blood of the lamb, because God already sat there and let his son come for me and say, listen, I'm going to forgive you of those very things. My testimony is the fact that, yes, I was once a sinner living in sin, living in fornication, living in cheating, living in lying, living in this, living in that, right? And because I'm able to speak that thing out to the world, to tell them as a testimony, to testify that, yes, I was once there, but God rescued me. So I'm no longer there, but now I'm here. And because of that, I don't love my world so much that I'm afraid to die. That means that I love God more, that I will testify to the very things that he pulled me out of. Some of us are silent by the very things of sin that we are in because we think that God won't want us anymore, that God won't love us anymore, that there's like a shadow. Um, it's almost like I picture like an umbrella, right? An umbrella will cover you from getting wet. But if God's trying to pour on his glory onto you and you have that umbrella of sin above you, that wetness, that rain of God can't touch you, unfortunately, because you think that you aren't able to be loved by him. You think that you're not able to be received by him. But what you don't realize is that you need that rain of him to be able to cleanse you. You have to remove that umbrella. You have to remove that shade. You have to remove the, the glasses. You have to remove the whatever the blinders are that are trying to keep you separated from God. God's love will cover a multitude of sins. That does not mean to abuse it. That does not mean to misuse it. That does not mean to mishandle it. It does not mean that. But it does mean that God loves you so much that he's giving you another opportunity to see him and to be in this place with him. That's why speaking your testimonies are important, because when you can speak it out loud, you're unmuzzling what the devil try to hold you in and you're able to glorify God and what he was able to take you out of. That's why it says they defeated him by the blood of the lamb in their testimonies. When you don't love your life so much, you're able to speak that testimony and not care who was attached to it. 
Because I can tell y'all right now, going through X, Y, and Z, there's people who I'm like, I don't know, y'all. I don't know if I should really talk about that because, you know, this person going to be hurt about their feelings here. And that person's going to be hurt there about their feelings here with that. And God is looking at me like, I'm the one who took you out. Did they take you out? No, they put me in it. Did that one take you out? Absolutely not. They're the ones who did X, Y, and Z to me, or I was in it with them. But he's looking at you like, no, I need you to speak the testimony. Because when you speak the testimony, you now take back your power from the devil and you can stand on the word of God that he rescued you. And because he rescued you and because you already defeated the enemy by the blood of the lamb, because Jesus again died for us. Come on, y'all, it's coming back full circle. You don't love your life so much that you won't glorify God. When you can love God that much, you are fulfilling the first commandment because you're showing God that I love you with my mind, my heart, my soul, my body, with everything that is of me. I love you with all of it so much that I don't care how they'll persecute me. I don't care how they'll ridicule me. I don't care how they may look at me because of the sin that I was once in. Because God said in his word in Isaiah 43, read the verses, y'all. It says it that he blots out the sins, not for us, for his sake, because sin has a smell, it stinks. But because God loves you so much, he will blot out that smell and give you a fresh aroma so you can then become pleasing unto him again. That's why it's important to talk about your testimonies. That's how you're going to be able to overcome your sin. That's how you're going to be able to understand the sin that you're in, to understand that what was once not good is now that, and that what you're in with God now is going to be the shift and what's not only going to help you, but it's going to be able to help other people around you. Because when you know what sin is, there's going to be something inside of you that's going to start watching people around you. And you're going to want to speak that thing. You're going to want to be like, I got to tell them that that's not okay. And that's what God was proclaiming the word of God. That's testifying. He wants you to tell others because you can't unknow what you know. Once you know something, it's really hard to dismiss it. It's really hard to pretend it doesn't exist. Now, I mean, some people do pretend it doesn't exist. I'm not that person. I am about, that's a whole nother battle, but that is the reality for some people. Some people know that sending, some people know that fornication is not okay. Some people know that sexual immorality is not okay. And they still do it, even though they know that God has already repeatedly told them not to do it, but they continue to do it. Why? Many different reasons. I'm not going to get into those, but it's understanding that concept. Once you know, you know. Once I knew that I was living in sin, God made it clear, Jessica, that relationship that you're in right now, yeah, I know y'all got kids. I know it's been 10 years, but mm, I'm not in that. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I blessed you with three little people. I get that part, but that's not who I have for you. That's not the person I have for you. That's not the relationship I want you in. That's not the man that I have for you right now. And I couldn't, I wrapped my hand, I wrapped my head around understanding it, kind of, but I couldn't fully grasp it. Why? Because I wasn't fully aware of what he meant. And it was when he brought me into scriptures that I was like, oh, I get it, God. We're going to talk about those scriptures in a second because I want to get to this one. But I wanted to mention that part there that God will give you the awareness of something in your situation, whether that be a person, place or thing. And once you have that awareness, you can't bow out, truly can't bow out. So. Just like I had to gain awareness of what was wrong, King Herod had to gain awareness, right? So I wanted to jump over to this story because I thought this story was really cool. 
um, King Herod and John the Baptist. Y'all, y'all going to walk with me here for a moment. And it says, for Herod has sent soldiers to arrest him. This is coming from Mark 6, verses 17 through 27. For Herod has sent soldiers to arrest him and imprison John as a favor to Herodias. And she had been his brother Philip's wife. But Herod had married her. And John had been telling Herod, it is against God's law for you to marry your brother's wife. So Herodias, you know, had a whole grudge and whatnot, wanted to kill John. But without, you know, the king's approval, she was powerless. She wasn't able to do it. But Herod, who was the king, he respected John and he knew that he was a good and holy man. He protected him. And King Herod was greatly disturbed whenever he talked with John. I believe that was conviction. But y'all, that's just, just my thoughts. Anyways, and it says, but even so, he liked to listen to him. Talk about a level of awareness, y'all. Awareness was creeping in. Anyways, it says, Herodias chants finally came on King Herod's birthday when he had a whole party and this whole high government officials were there and all these people, listen, talk about people of prestige, power, friends, right? Family, whomever, all these citizens of Galilee. And then his daughter named Herodias, she came in and she did this beautiful dance that they was greatly pleased with. And their guests, they loved it. They were like, oh my goodness, this was amazing. And they were like, you know what? You can't ask me for anything that you want. Y'all, this is why your words are important. Be mindful about your words. We'll continue. The king said to the girl, I will give it to you anything that you want. So she said, hmm, okay. And he said, I vow, I will give you whatever you ask up to half of my kingdom. And her mother said to her, okay, that's what he told you? All right, bet. This is what you're going to go tell him. Go tell him that you want the head of John the Baptist. What? What child wants the head of somebody? Listen, her mama was wrong. We're going to continue. But it says, so the girl hurried back to the king and she was like, um, I want the head of John the Baptist right now on a tray. Like she was out like in my head. I'm assuming she must have been excited because I don't know how you would really ask that question unto somebody else. But eh, people are different. And she says, then the king deeply regretted what he said. Why? Because the vow that he had made in front of all his guests, he couldn't refuse her. So he immediately sent an ex executioner to the prison to cut off John's head and bring it to him. And the soldiers beheaded John in the prison and they brought his head on the tray and they gave it to the girl who said, here, mom, look it. Look what I got. I got the head that you asked. So that was a lot. But we're going to break this up a little bit. We're going to go back to the beginning part here. So there was a point, y'all, where John King Herod literally was like, um... I know that the I know that the prophet doesn't like that I married my brother's wife and he doesn't like they married his brother's wife because they both were married to other people and they both got divorced from those other people because they wanted to be with each other. According to the Jewish law, that was a whole thing there. But anyways, even though King Herod didn't agree with what John the Baptist said, he still said he respected this man. He still respected the prophet of God. He had a respect for him. And I believe that because although he was getting disturbed by some of the things that John was saying. I believe that was conviction. I believe there was something in his spirit telling him like, maybe I am out of line here. Maybe I am out of order. But I don't believe that King Herod truly had a full awareness of God, nor was that a God that he served either, if I'm not mistaken. So I believe it was those pieces, right? He didn't love God. King Herod didn't love God. So by him not loving God, that put him in a place of like, okay, I can hear you. Let me learn more. 
That's why he didn't mind hearing from John the Baptist about the very things that he was speaking about. But this is the thing. When you have people in your corner who are not of God, who are not believers, they can easily place their hands on you like this, like this bottle, right? And move you to this side when really you was trying to go to the other side. And that's what happened with the wife. The wife saw an opportunity to be like, you know what? I've been wanting to have this done like this this entire time. I see my way in to do it. She made a request on the behalf of her daughter who went to the husband, who went to the king. Now the king had a choice here. He did not have to fulfill that request. He could have easily said, I don't want to commit a crime against a man who didn't deserve it. I don't want to commit murder because it doesn't make sense. I don't believe that that's a befitting gift unto you because that's like, it's wrong, right? All of these things, what sin is something that's morally wrong. He could have said all of those things. But because King Herod didn't love God, because he didn't have a full awareness of who God was, he was, listen, he was maneuvered, he was manipulated into doing something that he didn't want to do. Why? Because he felt that his personal vow to himself and the people around him was more important than reverencing God. That's the part that we have to understand. There's no way in the world that you can Overcome sin if you are around God, around people, places, or things that don't reverence the Lord. Why? Because they'll present you opportunities where it'll have you playing tug of war with yourself. Should I do that? Should I not do that? Can I do that? Can I not do that? And that's not what God wants for you. God is not a God of confusion. He's not going to put you in a situation like that where you're going to be feeling like, God, I love you, but I love me more. No. Because the first commandment says what? To love who first? God first. So when you can follow the commandment of loving God first with all your heart, all your soul, and all your body and your mind, you're not going to sit there and allow this type of situation to take place. Because had this been flipped, had this been John the Baptist being asked that question, I bet you anything that he would probably would have looked at her and been like, yeah, that's not a godly request. You need to repent to the Lord for even thinking that request and gone from there, Right. But because King Herod wasn't in that mindset, that wasn't what he was thinking, that wasn't what was around him, that wasn't the people that he surrounded himself with, he loved himself more. Remember the verse from before, don't love the world more, right? Revelations 12, 11. Why? Because it will cause you to do things that are sinful. That's why there's a separation that is needed. That's why there's pieces that have to come apart. Listen, it could have easily have been that John the Baptist was like, listen, I'm trying to warn you, King Herod, but because he wanted to do what he wanted to do anyways, it led him into that situation. And he also said it in his word. He regretted it. If you're regretting a decision that you're making, nine times out of 10, you probably shouldn't have done it. Nine times out of 10, it probably wasn't the right move. And he knew that already. He had awareness enough at this point to know that what he was about to do wasn't okay. But because he thought of himself more highly than God, he went that way anyway. That's the part that all of us as human beings, we have moments like that where we have friends who are like, man, you can go ahead and smoke this weed. It's okay. You can go ahead and drink that drink. It's okay. And you looking like, I don't really feel like I should. Like I just committed my life back to God and I just, I don't agree with that. It just, it don't sit well with me. These are those moments where you have to understand whose side are you choosing? Are you going to choose to overcome that sin or are you choosing to go back into it? These, this is where choice comes in. King Herod had a choice. What will be the next choice that you make the next time an opportunity to divulge in sin? What will you do? 
Because now you understand what sin is. You understand sin is not doing the things that are not of God. You understand today that what sin is, is things that are displeasing to God, whether it's sexual immorality, whether it's celebration. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. We going to go there. We Okay. Whether it's sexual immorality, whether it's celebrating holidays that are not in the Bible, meaning a whole bunch of other ones, read Zephaniah 4, read Jeremiah 10, or whether that's you committing adultery or you murdering somebody else or you cheating or you doing any of those things, right? If you're not, if you're doing those things and you know that that's something the Bible and the word tells you to do, you got to come out of it. We just going to say it because it's in my head. Anyways, I'm going to use the example of, um, we're going to go back to holidays for a second. We're going to go back to holidays because it's in my head. Christmas, right? Christmas, for an example, Zephaniah 4 tells you that if you go around a tree and trim it with things and whatnot and decorations, it will then, listen, that's basically saying that you're worshiping a Christmas tree. God's not in that. So that's why God is saying to us right now that Christmas is not of God. That's not something for you to take part in. That's a pagan ritual. It's a pagan holiday. The same thing in Jeremiah 10. He tells us the same thing. For those who sit there and goes into the pagan rituals, they will see the wrath of God. Why? Because that's not God. He's not in those things. These are the areas where we have to be aware of. We have to read our word. We have to know what God is saying in this hour. There are certain things that he wants you to be a part of. Holidays like Christmas, holidays like Halloween, holidays and things of that nature. That's not God. Go look at the Bible and see where the holy days are. See where he is. He says in his word in Hosea 4, 6, that his people perish for a lack of knowledge. Not because that they don't have the information, but because they choose to reject it. The Bible right now in the United States is accessible to everybody in different forms, whether that's online, whether that is on the internet, right, online, whether that's through an app on your phone, right, whether that's through a physical Bible like I have somewhere near me by here, right? You have a Bible, you have access to it, but in order for you to know what's in the word of God, you actually got to open it. You actually got to read it. You actually got to know what's inside of it. You actually have to know what it says. So you can take the words that I said today in this conversation and be like, okay, yeah, she said not to do sin. She said I could overcome it by speaking and da, da, da. But if you don't take the time to truly read the word and get into what it is that he's speaking to you right now, you'll miss out on things. Like last year, last year I met Taya and I remember her telling me that she doesn't celebrate Christmas. And I was like, huh? She's like, it's not in the Bible. And I was like, Oh, that's confusing to me because people in church that I knew that I went to, they celebrated Christmas. Now, I didn't understand why it wouldn't be in the Bible because we make it about God, right? We do all these pieces. But the way God was breaking it down to me this year was like, I know that's what it looks like in the world, but that's not me. I know that I may have shown up for people in those situations and times, but this time I'm doing a new thing. I know that people may want to know that I'm there for Christmas and that it's all about me, but the truth is my worst is the opposite. And he was saying to me that you have to understand the awareness part. When you're aware of my word, you can't ignore it. Because I read Zephaniah 4, where it talks about, you know, don't trim the tree and things of that nature. And when it, said, it talks about, well, between Zephaniah 4 and Jeremiah 10.10, um, 10, where both of them talks about the tree and trimming it and that that's a pagan ritual. And where the other one talks about the fact that he does, he's not in pagan holidays. Because I saw that, because I read that, he now comes to me and says, you can't do those things. I am now aware 
That means that if this year of 2022, Jessica Harris decides to celebrate Christmas, I'm going against God's word. Why? Because he already made it clear to me by bringing me awareness of a thing to then say, that's not me. I can't go to a thing and be like, God, can you forgive me? I can say that. The thing is that I'm doing something knowingly. That's not how you're supposed to go to God. He doesn't want you to do something because you want to do it and then sit there and say, I'm going to just do it just because. This is a whole different conversation, but it's the conversation apparently he wants to have because it's on my heart and it's on my mind. Look at the Bible. Read the Bible. Get in your word. Know what he wants you to celebrate. Don't believe me if you don't want to. Go read the word. Ask God. Ask him what holidays he's in. Ask him what themes he's in. Ask him what people that you're surrounding yourself where he's at. Is he in any of those things right now with you? There's some people, places, and things that he is calling people to be separated from right now. That's why this live was called separation because it says, 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be with them and walk among them? I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from unbelievers and separate yourselves from them that says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you and I will be your father. You will be my sons and your daughters. God doesn't want us to be tied to things. That's why I mentioned earlier about my um, my partner, my ex-boyfriend, my children's father. He didn't believe in God. I assumed all these years that it was okay because I believed in God. And although he didn't believe in God, yes, I'm switching gears here because I wanted to bring that back. Um, for those of you guys who are going through a separation when it comes to relationships, is this concept. I thought that I could be in a relationship and believe in God and that he didn't believe in God, but it was okay. That was my understanding. That was my belief. No, I didn't check with nobody. No, I didn't ask anybody. I simply thought that thing. When God brought this scripture into my foresight, into my mindset, into me to show me and bring awareness, he made it real simple, real plain. Jessica, I love you so much, daughter, that right now, this is going to stop. And I said, for real? And then I said, and I was like, okay. And then he showed me the scripture. Once I saw it, I couldn't unsee it. And that was the part that y'all have to understand. Once you see scriptures like this that tell you that information, you can't unsee it. That means now it's embedded in your mind. Now it's going to take root. Now it's going to grow and it's going to flourish. And God is going to provide the increase in the areas of where it needs to take part in for you. And then the areas that come against this very area are the places of where you're going to seek God. And God truly is just going to do it on his own too. But seek him and ask him, Lord, this is your word. Start to remove the things that come out of agreement with it. Go to the Father. Seek him and ask him. Lastly, we'll go with Ephesians 5, 3, verse 9. These ones here, for those of you who are still, you know, well, what other sins are there? What other kind of things can I be, you know, mindful of? I feel like this whole chapter, Ephesians 5, talks greatly of all the pieces and more. But this is the chunk here that I wanted to highlight. For it says, let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes, these are not for you. 
Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. You can be sure that no immoral, no impure or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things, come on now, the things of this world. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins for the anger of God. Listen, that's a whole nother conversation. For God will fall on all who disobey him. Don't participate in these things that the people do. For once you were once full of darkness, being born into, listen, being born into sin. But now that you are aware, now that you have repented, listen, I'm ad-libbing here, yes. Now that you have repaired, now that you've repented, now that you have come into Christ, you now have light from the Lord. So live as the people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good, what is right, and what is true. Holy Spirit lives inside of you. That's the secret that God tells us in the Bible, that the Holy Spirit is already inside of you. That means your body will notify you. I'm out. See y'all later. God does not want us to love the world because his enemy runs it. The evil one's goal is to get us to fall in love with the things of this world. Although we are not to love the things of this world, the Lord wants us to be able to experience abundance of wealth here on earth as well as in heaven because everything belongs to us because it belongs to him. So you are able to enjoy life here on earth because it is a gift and because of salvation and by you walking with Christ here on the earth, you are able to walk extremely with joy and no fear and with eternity and a future in your heart. We are the future and God wants to share secrets with you and for you to understand the heart of him. And God wants you to know that there is a cost in loving the world. You would become an enemy of God and be destroyed. To love the world draws you from experiencing salvation and the goodness of God here on this earth. James 4.4 says, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. If you feel like this is your time and you are ready to walk away from sin and the world ways of living, then I encourage you today to say this salvation prayer with me. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for my sin and that you raised him to life. I want to trust him as my savior and follow him as my Lord from this day forward. Guide my life and help me to do your will. I pray this prayer in Jesus name. Amen. Congratulations. Welcome to the body of Christ. You have now dedicated your life and made a covenant with the Lord forever. I love you all so much with the love of Christ. Be blessed. Welcome to our announcements. Wow, what a word. I'm so grateful that you all are here. I hope you are enjoying your time today. Listen, this has been an awesome series, A Gift in Repentance. My goodness. Next week, you will catch me teaching about grace over condemnation. That is on the 30th at 945 a.m.
and you can scan this QR code and have access to all things uh, Taya Carlisle's ministries. And if you are someone who feels that you are connected to me or you wants to do something uh, great, that you feel that God is pushing you to do something great in this ministry or whatever it is, just email us, uh, my admin team at Ministries at yahoo.com. And right here, Taylor Carlisle Ministries presents Revival in the Word Hub. This is a global podcast platform. Um, every Monday is devotions. Every Wednesday is Wednesday and a Word with Bible Talk. And every Sunday is teachings, just like you've seen today with Jessica Harris, where she just used this platform to teach. And this is available to every person who becomes a um, core a core core member of our our main community, which is the given or revived. And you are a teacher and you feel led to be teaching on this platform is here for you. All right. So now we have prayer. Yes. Prayer is every Fridays at 9 30 PM. Um, that is praise and worship time. Then 10 PM starts prayer every Sunday and Monday is 9 AM Easter time, uh, prayer. And if you are someone who wants to come in during worship, that begins at 8.30 a.m. Okay, take a picture of this, screenshot it, and we're going to move forward. We are no longer doing Saturdays in prayer because we had God pressed upon us in this ministry to keep his Sabbath day. And unfortunately, as we prayed, he has given the Saturday, um, Saturdays right now to keep and to devote our personal time to him and our family and to rest in God. All right. So you can also take a picture of this QR code and join the Given or Revive community. This is the TGR of what I've just recently spoken of. This is the best community you want to be a part of. If you need a prayer, encouragement, words, and a family, it is dope. We have a great time here. So I hope to see you soon. And this is the next series for November, you could take a picture, screenshot it, and I love you all much. Be blessed.